Good morning, this is Deacon Mary, and welcome to our fifth catechesis session on spiritual rhythms for Coronatide, based on Justin Early's book, The Common Rule. In this diagram, which Early has on his website, are the visualization that he created for spiritual rhythms for Coronatide that will help us get us through this season by embracing hope and resisting despair. And Early believes that habits, creating new habits, will give us the framework for these spiritual rhythms to flourish. So we have been talking about three of them so far, loving God and loving neighbor is the outcome that we are looking for. This is the need that create is created so that we will want to change our life and develop new habits so that we can better love God and love neighbor. The first is here, developing rhythms of reading scripture daily. And last week we talked about a habit that could help us with this rhythm and that is the habit of reading scripture before we turn on our phone in the morning or before we turn on our emails or social media or the news that even if we're using our phone with our uh, liturgy app, we are starting out the day fresh by reading the scriptures. The flame symbolizes the life of prayer. And this is the habit that Father Andrew challenged us to develop during this time way back now in late August, and that is the habit of kneeling prayer three times a day. It doesn't have to be kneeling. It can be any stance, perhaps raising your hands in the air or looking out a window at God's beautiful creation. But the idea is to stop and allow prayer to disrupt your day in a way that you invite God to come in. A few weeks ago, we talked about lighting the candle of hope, about developing small liturgies that would symbolize for us our desire to move towards hope in this time and to resist despair. This morning, we're gonna be talking about gathering safely which is symbolized here by the house. But ironically, Justin Early is challenging us to get out of our quarantine circles and place a priority on gathering with our fellow Christians in fellowship. And so what he talks about in the chapters that are devoted to this rhythm is friendship, how important friendship is. So today we're gonna to be looking at how efforts towards prioritizing and maintaining our friendships in Coronatide are acts of resistance against isolation and despair. Think of it this time, every time we take time to meet up with a friend, we are creating an act of hope. Friendship and community are two values Justin Early believes should be at the very center of our Christian life. In his writing in Common Rule, Early speaks to this ever-present danger we have today, that we substitute, substitute our life on social media 
with friendship, true friendship. And in Corona tide, this is, is an even greater danger because with quarantine rules, we have had to curb our in-person contact with friends outside our family and those we live with. I think one of the most damaging consequences of Corona tide has been this loss of face-to-face -face encounters with our friends. So the challenge today is that we have to work to establish new patterns and habits of gathering safely. In Early's words, these times will either be some of the most rich because of the ways we lean into community or they will be some of the most despairing because of the ways we fail to lean into it. We must resist the despair of isolation as an act of hope. Early's book, The Common Rule, was published in 2019 in a world that now seems unfathomable. And so he talks here about getting together weekly with a friend for conversation over coffee, which is such a simple idea, but now almost seems unreachable. But I still want to show you the video in which he talks about this as one of the sustaining habits of the Christian life, because while our circumstances have changed, the need has not. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the first weekly habit, and that is spending an hour in vulnerable conversation with a friend each week. What we're going to find is that this rhythm actually allows us to embody the gospel of Jesus to each other. This is not just about conversation. It's not even just about friendship. It's about the ways that we become vulnerable to each other and how the gospel is reflected in that. Friendships will make or break your life. It's always been true that we need friends because, of course, God made us that way. We are formed in the image of Trinitarian friendship so that even Adam was lonely with God in the Garden of Eden until God gave him his first friend in Eve. And, of course, everything is better with friends. 19th century pastor J.C. Ryle calls friendships the relationship that doubles your joys and halves your sorrows. But how much more so do we need friends and a time and place that encourages us to curate our every moment online and to show off our best to the world and yet simultaneously allows us to have a completely secret life on the internet? How badly in this kind of world do we need a real friend to hear our secrets that we spend our lives otherwise so desperately trying to hide. This is the idea behind this habit of a weekly conversation with friends. That we actually become exposed. We become vulnerable to each other in conversation. And this is important because this paves the way for an embodied gospel. Here's what I mean. What is the gospel besides that we are all messed up, but God loves us anyway? And what is a friend besides someone who knows you so well that they see all of your brokenness, but they're committed to sticking around anyway. That is why I see vulnerable conversation on a weekly basis with friends as a gospel-infused practice. Now, that's the vulnerability part. But there's another component to this, and it's just the time. It's the routine. We've got to create a regular, repeated rhythm of being vulnerable with friends. Because here's the reality. We live on a cultural slant. There's a tilt to modern life, and the norm is to become busy people 
who used to have friends. And so I would exhort us, let's be a beautiful gospel counterculture to this culture that bears witness to the goodness of friendship. And to do that, you've got to make it a habit, which is why sometimes I say that friendship essentially equals vulnerability plus time. And here's how to practice this. What it looks like for me is my best friend Steve and I have a standing coffee every week. It's just on the calendar. And we talk, we get together, we talk about career, about life, about whether we'll see each other this weekend. Of course, there are lots of times that we miss because of something or another. But again, that's the exception, not the habit. The habit is that we catch up every week. And maybe you do what I do with just another friend, or maybe you look to a small group or some friend community to get together with on a weekly basis. But the point is simple. Don't become a busy person who used to have friends. Be vulnerable and do it as a habit. And what you'll find is that you would actually embody the gospel to each other by doing so. So that's the idea behind the weekly habit of an hour of conversation with a friend. As always, here is your fact to ponder, your question to discuss, and your habit to practice. Fact to ponder, a recent metadata survey showed that chronic loneliness actually reduces life expectancy to the tune of smoking 15 cigarettes a day. So this idea of true friendship is a matter of the body and the soul. Now your question to discuss is, think about one time in your life where vulnerability really changed things, whether it was you being vulnerable or someone else being vulnerable. Talk about that and how you might be able to make vulnerability a rhythm in your weekly life. Now here's your habit to practice. Find an hour this week, get together with a friend and talk. Be vulnerable. Maybe it's somebody in this group, maybe you call somebody else. Whatever it is, get together with somebody, talk, be honest, and see what it changes. So in his book, in the chapter that I'm suggesting we read for this week on Weekly habit number one, an hour of conversation with a friend. Early goes into some of the ideas he presented on the video a little bit more in depth, and it's really a great chapter. He especially talks about why we need friendships. And it boils basically down to this, God made us for community. God made us as bodies that need to be in the presence of other bodies. It's an incarnational idea this idea of embodied friendship. We need the love and acceptance that we find in friendship to grasp how deeply God loves us. We need each other to find courage. We need each other to find joy. We need each other to release our burdens. And sometimes the biggest burden we carry is the fear of exposing who we really are to each other. So without honest and open friendships, we cannot learn to love ourselves so we can love others. And so early talks a lot about vulnerability and how it is when we are with each other's presence, we become vulnerable. So let's look at his question. What is one time in your life where vulnerability really changed things? Just, I'd like you to take a second and think about that. And maybe when this video is over, talk about it with someone else because I think it's really great to go back and look at those times where we see how friendship pulled us out of a pit of despair because it helps us remember we cannot 
take friendships for granted. And we also cannot allow social media to become a substitute for in-person friendships. What if all the time we spent posting and radio, reading Facebook, we actually got on the phone and called a friend? So how do we tackle this? Um, here are some points that Early wants to make. Face-to-face -face conversation brings risk because we are not curating our identity, feelings, and thoughts. In front of our computers and devices, we don't have to take into consideration facial expressions or reactions to what we are saying. Um, of course, this does not include Zoom, but we're gonna get to Zoom in a minute. But this is why texting, I think, is such a poor substitute in many ways for phone calls or in-person meetings. Because think about the way we curate what we say in a text and how we make sure we're getting just the right idea we think we want to get across. And then there's a fail. And the fail is, is because the people didn't hear your tone of voice, they didn't see your face, and we miss out on so much because we don't have that feedback that we need with people, their reactions to what we're saying, their facial expressions, their bodies are signaling things. And often what they're signaling is that they really want to encourage us and want to love us. And we miss that when we're just texting and doing social media. So we don't have to become truly known when we resort to these kinds of things as ways of communicating with our friends. And this can become a point of despair. And the only way, Early says, we beat back the darkness is by exposing it to the light. When the darkness of our lives is exposed by the light of vulnerable conversation, we participate in opening our darkness to the power of the gospel. I think this is such a really strong statement. So in Coronatide, we have found that we have to isolate ourselves and we have resorted to this thing called Zoom. And a lot of us are really very much Zoom fatigued. I know I am. And there's actually really reasons for this. I mean, people have been making studies about this. And one of the problems is it's just cognitive overload. Because on a Zoom screen, we're, we are looking at our face and we're looking at the other person's face. And we really can't engage in meaningful communication with having two images in front of us, our face and their face. Because when we're looking at our face, we are actually resorting to some of that curating that I was talking about in the previous slide. Uh, we can curate the way our expressions are and often we are looking, speaking to our faces. We aren't speaking to the person that we are actually having, trying to have a conversation with in the meeting. I do think this is one of the reasons why a lot of people turn off the video. So the other thing we're missing is that we're missing, again, bodily presence. All the nonverbal clues that are part of being someone with someone are lost. So if Zoom isn't the alternative, we have to find others. 
um, get together with friends, outdoor walks. It's going to be a long winter, but let's all get our long underwear on and bundle up and take walks with friends outside. Walking itself is a fantastic way to process feelings and even more so when we're walking with others. Um, I know this may seem crazy, but we could also do maybe parking lot meetups where we're sitting in our nice warm car, eight to 10 feet away is the person we wanna have a conversation with. You have your windows rolled down, probably even take off your masks and have a conversation together. Might seem really out of the box. Also, just consider phone calls. We have really lost the art of phone calls. And on a phone call, you can probably focus a lot more on what the other person is saying if we aren't looking at our faces or even maybe theirs. This, these are hard times and we have to start making priorities about face-to-face -face contact and gathering with people. Otherwise, we are going to fall into Zoom. So there's another aspect about this, and that is time. And it's another thing that Early wants to talk about. Friendships are not just about vulnerability, about being willing to make ourselves vulnerability, vulnerable, but it's also about making time. So, you know, we are just so busy and busyness is what encompasses, uh, encompasses our life. And we find it really hard to make friendship a priority. But if we, and again, this is a quote from early, every time there's quotation marks on my slides, know that these are quotations from his book, The Common Rule. And he says, we lean towards busying ourselves with things that seem urgent. We always are living under the battle of having to do the things that we think are urgent. And friendships will never seem urgent. Maybe sometimes they are, but by then it might actually be too late because maybe by then we have so neglected our friendships that it's hard to actually do this thing that we need to do, which is open up with each other about what it is we're really feeling and thinking during Corona Tide or during any time, but especially during Corona Tide. Friendship, I think, during Corona Tide is urgent. So maybe this weekly rule of one hour conversation with a friend is not the place to start. But I would like you to begin to think about a new habit you could develop in your life that would help you prioritize friendship. Make some small goals regarding friends, or maybe just say, I'm gonna establish this habit of at least once a week, giving a certain friend a phone call and engaging them in a conversation. Maybe it won't be for an hour, but I think it's these small movements towards prioritizing friendship through building habits that will, we will discover how much we actually do need and rely on friendship. So the whole idea of these habits is once you've developed these habits, it then becomes not something, oh, I've got to do this now. It becomes something like, oh, I have to do this. I really need this. So in whatever ways that are safe, whether it is a backyard fire, uh, a nightly call, talking to neighbors from front porches, or even gathering in safe ways inside in small numbers, masked, make sure you're always sitting at least six feet apart, commit to regular gathering. 
uh, early puts it this way. Understand that your souls need friendship like your lungs need air. We can and we must find ways to gather. Thank you.